Hi, we're coming to you from Studio 606 on the Boulevard here in Lancaster Boulevard in the city of Lancaster. And with me, um, I'm Andy Campagnoni, and with me is uh, Robert Benitez, who's our curator here at the Museum of Art and History, and Jason Jen, who is our lead at the Cedar Center for the Arts. And today, we're gonna talk about some opportunities for artists to participate. Um, I think the program that we're gonna focus on today, and I'm gonna let Jason run with this, because he's the lead on this, um, is our pollinator program, uh, Creative Pollinators, and I'll let him talk about it. Yes, well, right in the backyard here at Studio 606, we're gonna be hosting the Creative Pollination Art Mixers. It's an idea that was generated from the Cedar staff that they wanted to, um, that they were hearing a lot of the public wanting to have uh, more of a community building. And it's something that I think that MOA does really well already, and that people wanted to be engaged more of meeting other creatives in the Antelope Valley. And so that's what the point of the mixer is. So we'll be meeting every third Thursday from five o'clock to eight o'clock. We're gonna be starting with people showing up at five, having a general mixer, a chance to talk, to meet and greet, to share some ideas. And then at six o'clock, we'll be conducting a series of um, discussions. We'll have focused discussions. People have been already in our beta tests talking about the types of themes that they want. And we'll have special guests in that six o'clock hour giving presentations or answering questions about those each uh, monthly themes. So our first one actually is we're excited to have you Andy as our special guest who's going to be talking about um, what it you know what the importance of artist development, the importance of having a critique. A lot of people have been wanting to know what you know it, a critique is about and then also the importance of networking and growing as an individual in the arts and, and constantly learning. And then um, after that focused discussion at seven o'clock, we're going to be ending the, the time by watching some inspirational video art and experimental cinema. It's a way to utilize the projection that we have, the new laser projector that we've set up in Cedar Hall, and a great opportunity to see samples of creative work that people are doing in the film and video realm. So it utilizes all these different aspects and will be fun. This is really exciting, especially after being here for so long and watching Cedar transform, um, watching the Cedar Center go from really a grassroots uh, organization um, run by artists for artists. Um, the city did a pretty massive re a restoration and then reopening and it still is for artists, run by artists. And to see though the um, technology that's been incorporated into both the exhibition spaces and um, and the main hall uh, really has offered more resources for and and also the studio space on the second floor. But I, I want to let Robert talk about that because Cedar Center was really his baby and it was his <laughs> it was his dream to get this was organized to a point that um, artists in our community would have more access to resources and I, I want to let him talk about that. Yeah, so the Cedar Center's always been dear to my heart. It's really where I got my first curatorial, got to spread my curatorial wings for the first time. Um, I think it's always been a space that has strong connections to the community. Uh, the building itself was built in the you know, 19, uh, 1940s, uh, came to the Anza Valley as the Los Angeles County seat. So all the functions that the county does now whether that's uh, the library or medical services, uh, even the courthouse, all of those functions have at one point or another been done out of the Cedar Center. So people have really strong 
community connections and ties to the space. So um, in the 90s, when it sort of got uh, uh, changed into a community art space, um, I think the community was quick to embrace that. And now in this next iteration with the museum sort of overseeing its programming, really gets to flourish and really gets to take uh, really gets to take its programming to the next level. So I think it's uh, really going to be interesting to see what a program like Creative Pollinators can bring to the community. I think um, it's been, I, I guess, Andy, I want to ask you sort of in the time that you've been here, how have you seen Cedar evolve and what do you think the future for the Cedar Center is? That's a super great question, and I can't wait to answer it because it is really important. It uh, The professional development of our art community is super near and dear to my heart, as most of you know. Um, I teach professional development to creatives on the side. That's my kind of side hustle. Um, I do it four times a year, sometimes more, um, both in person and uh, virtually. And so to be able to see that my community in Lancaster has an opportunity to, to have the to have participation in some kind of professional development um, is important and I watched Cedar go from um, kind of that fledgling grassroots art space to um, a, a place where uh, multiple multidisciplinary artists are participating in programs together that didn't happen before it it was very 2d oriented and there was you know, very strict about what mediums were being shown. And, and now we see these artists collaborating, um, the spoken word artists between performing artists and uh, even, our, even our 2D artists. Um, the programming that's evolved here in terms of um, classes like our, and of course, I just want to mention everything that happens at Cedar is free. So this is not a place where we're looking to make any money. We're here literally for the community. Um, to teach, to offer resources, to offer um, uh, opportunities with professionals. And so knowing that we have, you know, our figure drawing and we have the open mic night on Friday nights for our performing artists and once a month being able to highlight our professional or quasi-professional, they're getting there, um, our amateur um, performing artists um, and seeing them learn things like how to develop an invoice or a contract or how to put together a demo tape. Those things are really important if you planned to be a professional in the arts, doesn't matter what your medium is. So to really see Cedar go from the place where nobody even understood what a loan doc was um, and now we're seeing these young people come in with professionally developed uh, demos they're learnt, they know how to put an invoice together so that they can get paid. They know um, about how to put a contract together. Like, that's really important. And they're sharing that with their friends. And those opportunities now that will come their way outside of Cedar, uh, I mean, before it was few and far between, but now it's like they know how to approach that and how to, how to present themselves in a professional way so that those opportunities will come around. But that, that's really exciting to see, yeah. Jason, how have you seen the state of the performance-based arts evolve at Cedar in the time that you've been here? Well, it's really great that there's already been a strong history of having the concert series, the Spotlight Cafe, weekly um, performances. Um, I came on at a time where we were just emerging from the pandemic, so it was interesting to see how there was this hiatus of sorts, but yet you were keeping it alive with a lot of online things. 
And for me, being a performance artist and having a connection with actually having performed at Cedar before, it was very important to have, you know, that that element um, be a, a strong component of it. And plus, there's this history of you know Francis Gum, aka Judy Garland, per performing on the stage. So there's a lot of embedded history already in the space. And then what's great is you have the community that comes in when they see the concerts that we're doing now and they see that we're incorporating video projection and other things, they, 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 they light up and they're like, wow, I have so many memories of coming here when I was in high school in the 90s and punk rock concerts and things. So there's an embedded history and we're honoring that history by carrying it forward and incorporating new elements and new ways because we're still very much offering the community to do these concerts. You know, people submit, they they are the ones who request that they want to participate and and we, you know, curate these monthly shows for the concerts. And then the open mic is an open forum. So we don't um, we don't limit the artists on what they want to do. We just we help to um, raise the bar for them and give them an atmosphere that is um, we create this atmosphere that is really lovely for them with you know the the tablecloths and the and the spotlight. We have a you know a, the new spotlight and it's just so great to elevate that level and people come in and they're constantly like wowed by it. And it's also very important that one of the programs that we've incorporated into the Spotlight Cafe is aspects of the Andrew Frieder creative space, right. which is really something fantastic and special that when people come in there, you know, that we offer these free art supplies and um, a space for them to create and have that opportunity. And it's, it's become part of the Spotlight Cafe, too, because people love to uh, be working on something creative while they're watching the entertainment. And some people even create something on the spot, which is great. You know, there's a, a my background's in improv performance. So I'm always encouraging people to do some form of like in that moment improv too. And we have some people who really pick up on that and, and they'll create a poem, you know, that that evening and then they'll perform it. I, I love how inspirational all these programs are. Even if you aren't participating actively, but you're a passive viewer, um, watching others make things and watching others celebrate creativity is is inspirational. Um, and I know for me, I'm not uh, particularly creative in terms of um, painting or drawing, or I'm not a drafts person. But um, coming from the photography background, um, being around others who do things that you don't do gets you excited to try new things. So I know for me it does, and I and I watch young people in our young artists workshops. Um, as soon as they see our staff start to you know construct these pieces, the kids just they light up, and you see that that light bulb go go on of, over their head. And I think adults are the same way. I think when we are around others who are making problem solving, putting something together, like it's ins inspirational for us too to want to do the same thing. So it's wonderful to see the multidisciplinary happening. You have somebody who's speaking or talking or performing on the stage and then they're inspiring someone that's sitting in a t at a table to draw or sketch or take a photograph. Um, I, I, there's something really, really special about that. And now dead air. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is the rule about 11 minutes of conversation, and then there has to yeah. be a pause. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, there's a okay. Thing so maybe let's that. take a little bit of a break. Right.
<laughs> you would listen? Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself, and I don't, that's just the conversation. Oh, good. Oh, great. Cool. Well, yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I think it was, um, I mean, we had, didn't practice, and we didn't really. Make sure this is, looks like it's running. Okay. Okay. Hopefully we're back on here. Um, so thinking about, you know, uh, the programming and the new buildings, is that ding-donging? Can we hear that? Yeah. Ding-dong, the door's open. Ding-dong, the witch is dead. Um, <laughs> okay. So thinking about some of the other programming that's happening uh, at MOA or that is sponsored by MOA is um, on the Cedar campus, uh, which is our new, which we're recording from right now, our new 606, our studio 606. And um I, there, this is all new to me, all of this equipment, all of the recording equipment and the soundproofing and everything that we've had to do over the course of the last year and a half to get this up and running. It is a beautiful space, but I can't wait to see creative people in here, bands rehearsing, recording. Um, and uh, But you, you guys can tell us more about like what's going on in here. Yeah, so Studio 606, the initial thought was we would have a space primarily to tell uh, tell stories about the Antelope Valley. Uh, historically, the Antelope Valley has been a place there where people have s- told stories about, but are not necessarily from the Antelope Valley or know how sort of unique or special the Antelope Valley is. Uh, Studio, 6, Studio 606 really exists to counter that, to provide a space where people who live and work in the Antelope Valley can tell those stories um, about you know, the beauty of the desert, talk about our local ecology, talk about our strong creative influences, the uh, cultural histories that uh, are oftentimes forgotten. Uh, That's what Studio 606 is all about. And I think to a larger extent, it's really about, um, that's really is sort of what all the programs at Cedar are about, wanting to come together to find a place for expression, uh, to be able to just connect with our fellow human beings and uh, this little place we call Lancaster. And, and you think that, um, I, I see this programming as more for the kind of 18 to 30 year olds, but I, but I feel like in the description that you're giving about telling stories that this would be a really great opportunity for seniors and other people who have been longtime residents here, uh, be able to kind of recount the history. Um, maybe we can collaborate with our Western Hotel blog folks and, you know, create some kind of synergy there where Mm -hmm. we're not just hearing from young people, but also um, the heritage and the folks who were born and raised here and maybe now are seniors and and they do have a lot to contribute. So maybe we we can see working that into the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's also opportunity for people who are maybe coming to the Allen Valley for the first time or really experiencing Lancaster, you know, through through new eyes and saying, you know, I had a conversation recently where uh, people were just like, I had no idea that this was in Lancaster or, right. you know, how is Lancaster able to put all of these things on? And it has to come, and it, what it ultimately comes down to is values and what is what is the city value? Um, and our city just happens to value arts, culture. Um, and so we got to do the things that we get to do. Like We are lucky there, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Shout out to Mayor Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, it's because of of that sort of forethought, understanding that for, you know, really for a city to thrive, there has to be a sort of thriving cultural 
what I what I refer to as like a cultural infrastructure where we can really come together uh, and provide these cultural resources for the community to really ensure that it's that it's thriving and that it sort of becomes self-propagating at, at some at some at some point. So that's really sort of the goal for um, what what my work has been with the city too. I think, um, and that you bring that up, the cultural infrastructure, I think it's really important to also let people know that our downtown is a state-designated cultural district. There are only 14 in the state of California. That's, I mean, for one, that's like a really great honor, but for two, it says a lot about um, how much history has happened and not just, oh, we have the oldest buildings, but that, that we have the oldest culture um, and cultures that exist here. Um, and I I hope that people will understand what it means to be a cultural district and and experience like on the boulevard, the family days, um, some of the uh, parks department events, and then of course all of the arts events that happen. And um, the fact that we have MOA, the Western Hotel, Cedar Center and 606 uh, um, with our sister uh, organization, the Lancaster Performing Arts Center, you really don't need to go anywhere else. Like, you literally don't. You can see a performance. You can go to an experimental performance. You can see professionals perform. You can go to the museum. You can see uh, contemporary art or you historical art. Or if you're a history buff, you can go to the Western Hotel. The fact that we have all of those within walking distance, two blocks from each other, is really phenomenal. And that cultural district, I think, is one of those other resources that we don't typically think of that because we think of it as an infrastructure, but it really is a resource. And um, and hopefully we'll see some collaboration happening in the next uh, month or two. Um, also, this might be a good time to announce that we got some. Uh, we've been recertified as a cultural district, and that we got um, some great support from the state of California in terms of funding that will help with programming and uh, and some of those kind of dream collaborations. But I know, Jason, you have a lot of ideas about like collaborating, especially since the um, the uh, pollen, the creative pollinators uh, group it was initially your idea. Um, what, el- whether, what other things do you see us doing here um, in the cultural district? Well, first of all, I have to say I've, I've been a big fan of what this cultural district is all about, you know, being someone who loves um, the arts and also when I travel to see how different cities uh, involve the arts and by, noti- you know, just recognizing that the museum is the center of town and that there's all of these amazing things. I love what I've been referring to guests when they come in, the Easter eggs that you have populated all over the town with these public art sculptures or these little um, embedded um, special art pieces. Of course, there's the murals, you know, the the mural festival that happens. So all of these things are part of an amazing infrastructure. And, you know, there's really, it it feels like there's no limit. I, I had a relative who used to live here in the 80s and 90s and she she was like what there's there was no arts uh when when she lived here and it's it's really interesting to see how you know she moved back to iowa where i'm from and i moved out to california but in the in the 25 years that i've lived out here i've never been so impressed by one city's um usage of the arts to really make it a pivotal um scene i love seeing the farmer's market and how active it is you know, the, even when the 
you've got the low riders that come in yeah. and they're they're gathering socially so it really has become a cultural hub for all of these different communities um, to celebrate the boulevard yeah in different ways and so your question was like what do i see yeah. i mean i see so much potential there's so many things i'd like to you know one thing that um, we see some of, but like more dance or more performing, like unusual performing arts right. or experimental arts. Um, they're definitely, you know, the, the music that we do at, at, at the Cedar Hall is, is exciting because it's a lot of local talent and it, it runs the gamut. So I've enjoyed watching all the different performances from the local talent, whether it's rap, rock, punk, um, or folk music right. that is here. Well, there, and there's so much history with music here, ex especially experimental music. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to be <laughs> Zappa, you know, right, beating a dead horse here because <laughs> we think everybody knows, but not everyone knows that Frank Zappa is from Lancaster. Um, and also Captain Beefheart, another experimental uh, musician and performer, uh, both went to the local high school here, a block away from this downtown. So. Um, and of course, Judy Garland, but that's like performance in another way and, and, and much earlier. But in terms of experimental, there is a, there is a beautiful history here. And I, I feel really fortunate to be a part of a program that wants to celebrate that by pushing that forward and getting young people to understand what the history is and how to kind of take the next step to create also in that, in those genres. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Andy, I, I think I think it's not only Lang. I, th I think for me, deserts are places for experimentation. I was wondering if maybe you can speak to some of the other I, I notions of experimentation on the Allen Valley's like aerospace history, and maybe speak to that a little bit. And just how it seems like when people want to try that idea for the first time, or they want to um, push the boundaries in some way, the desert's often the landscape where that takes place. Well, that's super interesting that you bring that up because uh, we have an exhibition that's opening at MOA in 2024 uh, that is being sponsored and supported by the Getty um, called Desert Forest. And we are publishing a book and it's a multidisciplinary um, exhibition about the Joshua Tree and its life and kind of struggle. But it also is a really big um, editorial on kind of desert life and in um, preparation for us publishing our book we have a writer uh, Shana Nice Dambrot who's the arts editor for the LA Weekly who's written an essay for the book on why the Joshua Tree is so iconic and reading um, her essay she really gets into the idea of the desert being a place that we escape to that mm -hmm. we go to um, to reinvent ourselves to find a spiritual moment to find inspiration um, and it's I think it's really it's really interesting because I find that I that I relate to that but but I also hear a lot of people say oh the desert you know why do you want to be out in the middle of the desert um, there really is it, it really is a beautiful place and it is inspirational and it is a place where you're so quiet that you hear your own voice because I think we get caught where when we're in urban environments and we're in this all of this kind of rush of everything happening, we don't hear ourselves. And I think that um, that kind of desert as that place for experimentation and trying new things is because we can hear ourselves. And I think obviously aerospace, the the unique things that happened here also had to do with the arid environment, um, the flatness of the dry lake beds. Um, and but it but the inspiration of 
hey, we're going to make these materials that haven't been made anywhere else. Um, but they were out here, and there there was no one to tell them that they couldn't do that. Um, no one no one said, you know, you can only do this in the desert. Everywhere else I think you go, you, you hear that, that there's kind of parameters on how you behave. But in the desert, I think that's why another reason why a lot of people move out here. They don't want to be told how to live, where to live, um, what is the acceptable norm of living. And we have that moment where we get to say to ourselves, you know, first of all, hear ourselves and then say to ourselves, it's okay. Give ourselves permission to try something that's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did that answer your question? No, absolutely. I, I think about sort of the sort of the, the proposal that we had as like the, the desert as testing ground. Right. And the desert is a place where not only were the pilots out here testing experimental aircraft, sort of linking the ground and the sky, um, but sort of taking that pioneer spirit and also applying that to artists as well. Um, again, utilizing those new materials, yeah. um, bridging things that aren't typically thought of as being you know, similar in the same vein, finding the connections between those things. I think the desert often adds to that. And yeah. we uh, as you know, museum professionals and arts administrators are really, I think, just capitalizing on that natural energy that happens in the desert. So when I think there's a lot of things that are happening, but these things are happening uh, naturally, mm-hmm. and we just sort of get to take advantage of that and sort of, you know, shift and prune and uh, and shape uh, what that could look like so that it benefits more people. I, I totally agree, and I think that's been the draw for me. But I want to ask Jason because you're the newbie here. I'm the newbie, and I love it. I did not. I was a little hesitant when, you know, I, I was very open to moving, having lived in L.A. for 23 years, uh, at, you know, the past almost two years living here. I could, I could not love it more. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoy it. And I think what you said about you, can, you have space to hear yourself, yeah. mm-hmm. that is so important, is there is this sense of having space, feeling like you can spread out in terms of just like your emotions and your feelings the internal realm feels a lot wider and i'm i'm more at peace here it's it has become a a sanctuary uh for for me and um also i find so much inspiration from the desert just going around on walks and um just really enjoying nature and the views and yeah, exp- lucky exploring. We? We're very lucky. Yeah, it's, with this, yeah. this landscape is so special. Yeah. And every single season it produces and performs in a different way. Yeah. That And that also is inspirational. But, yeah, I, I feel super lucky. The yeah. views of the mountains are just, yeah. just watching the clouds being birthed from yeah. from the moisture in the mountains in the rainy season. It's just uh, every, there's so many things that I I never got no, to experience. No, we could have a we LA. could have a whole podcast <laughs> on, on the desert landscape and and our own experiences. Yeah, we have an exhibition right now on display at the main museum called Sages, and sort of the premise for Sages were. Uh, Artists who have spent their uh, their lives, some of them over seven, uh, you know, seven decades teaching, um, but also creating artwork. And although we didn't curate a nature show, uh, you'll see lots of major themes around nature. And for me, just taking a step back and seeing the exhibition come together as a whole really sort of made me thinking about what's important in life. And I think having that connection to um, to nature, to the body, to some sort of spiritual practice, 
yeah. really came mm-hmm. through. So that those are all things that I think are really um, easy, easily connected to in this space as well and in this landscape. Right. Yeah. And I think there's something special about being one of the furthest places you can be in Los Angeles County and also so removed from I don't, I, you know, the chaos, if you want to call it the chaos, right. of the central part of L.A. But it, there's a lot of energy in that, of course. But then to be removed and yet still part of that ecosystem is so vital. And I think it's part of what makes Lancaster and, and Antelope Valley so special yeah. in that in that regards. It, it really is. I, I kind of, when I think about L.A., because I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, when I think about that, that I always feel like Lancaster is this um, kind of rotational sp- in the space around the chaos. Like the periphery. Yeah. Like yeah. We're, orbiting. And, yeah, we're orbiting around it, and so we're still able, and we're picking up all these things that are in, in the core, right? Like in the arts, in music, in fashion, um, and politics, I mean, all, in, you name it. And we're, we pick those things up, but they get translated a little bit differently out here. And that's because it's not so compact and so it, the pressure, the force of nature pushing it all together mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have a, um, a specific uh, uh, geographic region and it's all forced in there. And we're it is so open here. And that as we're making this kind of rotation around LA and the creative the, the creative spirit that's happening there we're able to translate that a little bit differently and it's a little bit more open and the fiber's not so tight and mm-hmm. you know I'm mean, that's what I think about it yeah. when I think about it that's a really good description of it. the fiber's <laughs> yeah. not so tight it right is. it's not so tight yeah, yeah. yeah the the fresh air is able to permeate through the fabric a little bit yeah <laughs> I love that yeah um but I think that we're we're really lucky when and Robert brought this up earlier that we are lucky to be located in a city that finds value in arts and culture. Um, I know you guys are always sick of hearing me say it over and over again, but really I find art to be one of the best mechanisms for change. And I think although it it my first experience here almost 12 years ago um, was a little bit of resistance. Um, but as the city has grown and seen um, both the advantages for the community um, in kind of ownership, but also in the economic development of the community, that the arts really do have some kind of impact. And um, it it is really wonderful to see our council and our leadership at City of Lancaster get behind that. And we don't ever hear, no, you can't do that. Um, and that's a that's a wonderful thing to hear because I've worked for other cities and that was not the case. Um, and I think it really does reflect in the programming that's happening here in our public arts program, um, which all kinds of new stuff is about to happen. But that's for another conversation. But um, really, the opportunities for for everyone at every level, both our 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 residents and our visitors um, have an opportunity to participate somewhere in the arts or or an arts and culture situation. So I feel really lucky to be here. And I think folks that live here, um, the more they get to know what those resources and those opportunities are, they're also going to feel very lucky. Yeah. And and you know what's interesting? You say um, what comes to mind is accessibility. There's so much accessibility that the community gets through the arts and accessibility to the arts with, um, you know, you're presenting shows that 
are important and entertaining that really people can access and understand the art. It's not art that people are scratching their heads right. about. It's something that that means something to them. And also it's accessible because everything's for free. You know, the, all this free programming. So they have access to things that they don't have. In you know, and I want to give Robert some kudos here because I think that the, the last two years of him um, curating exhibitions, he's really created um, entry points for mm -hmm. everybody. There, everyone that walks in that front door at the museum, at the main museum, um, there's an opportunity for them to connect to something. We're not we're not editorial editorializing or trying to be in your face, and we're not putting things up that we only expect our academics to understand. Like you walk in that front door, and if it's your first time ever being in a museum, you're going to find something that you connect to that will be that entry point for you to want to return, to want to know more, to want to be to participate more. And and you know we always laugh about the joke in Los Angeles is if you live on the west side and your friends live on the east side, you go to Lancaster to visit because it's easier <laughs> It's easier to get That's from true. the west side to, da to downtown than it is, and faster, uh, to, to get to Lancaster than it is to try to go cross town. So we joke that we have this really large Los Angeles-based audience, and a lot of people from Orange County, too, um, come up for our programs. But there, it, it, it's, it, says a, it says a lot about the curation that's happening, that we are able to create those entry points for the first timer. And then we're also supplying and providing um, a program that is academic, it has some prowess, that it is still um, uh, um, attractive to those folks that live an hour or two hours away. That, the, that it says a lot about the programming. And I, I'm, I wanna just give him a high five mm -hmm. on that one because I, I, I think the program, I'm a big fan. Thanks, Andy, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to say that Cedar's not, because Cedar does the same thing. I think the um, accessibility of Cedar also offers that same thing. We're, we're, you know, with our, what, we're in our 38th year of our annual high school ex exhibition. I mean, and what? Jury, and jury show. And jury show. show. Well, I was mm -hmm. going to get to that, but the, the high school exhibition, imagine being a high school student and for 38 years you've had at least the four years you're in high school have an opportunity to show in a museum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where does that happen? Pretty much nowhere I know of. But, um, but in addition to that, like now that you've graduated from high school and there's a program to kind of graduate into, right? We have the 38 years of our, our um, all-media juried exhibition. And same thing. Um, I, I know we do have some parameters that limit who can enter, and that's just a geographic thing, and that we stick to the fifth uh, supervisorial district of Los Angeles County and then some of the Antelope Valley um, that is not that are in Kern County and San Bernardino County. But... I mean, where do you have that opportunity to, you know, you're maybe early in your career and it's you're literally your first museum show. Um, it's a group show, but it still works in terms of the professional development and understanding how to work with the museum and having that on your resume. That's pretty special. Yeah. I mean, the Jared Show is one of my favorite exhibitions that we get to put on. Uh, sure, it is a competition, but I think there's something lovely about that. And uh, just recently, we were able to acquire a new piece into our permanent collection, which is something that I think is especially really unique important. that the museum does because each one of those pieces is sort of a snapshot for what that year looked like, what was going on in the world, yeah. and I think it's a really important way to build the museum's collection, and uh, what a wonderful opportunity for artists that we've never met before. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. 
always a surprise every mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Jason, you're at the, you lead that whole exhibit. Like, what is what's your well take the past two years? Yes, yeah. and but it's been it's great. I love it. I mean, I and I'm meeting a lot of people, and a lot of people ask, well, how how can I be involved next year? And it's like it's really easy. Unlike other museums, you know, you're not charging a fee, um, other than the the uh, logistical fee that the website itself proposes but it's so great because it's very again accessible to others to get their work recognized and this year uh, the past you know the people are just glowing from it they said it was just such a wonderful show and they've been really impressed by the quality of the art from the people who were gathered in the show so they're like wow you know sometimes they'll be in a juried art show and they're not sure what the other artists are going to be like if they're going to be proud of being part of that show but this was one that they were everyone was just you know floored by the talent that yeah. was being shown i i know um and also just to, a note there have been a couple of artists that since i've been here in 11 years um that we you know we we met 11 years ago in mm-hmm. the juried show mm-hmm. who are now have full-blown careers and that they started their career uh out of the cedar center um in the juried show so like that says a lot, um, and yeah. and we hope that that we'll continue to be able to provide that service. We should invite some of them back as special guests. We should, yeah, that's <laughs> a great idea, actually. Yeah, like a reunion exhibit. Yeah, That'd be fun. yeah. Well, should we wrap this up today, and yeah. uh, we'll come back at another time and talk more about programming. Maybe have a guest or two, and um, what an awesome situation this is. I I can't wait for us to to be able to do this and share this with our community and um, and really get the, the word out that the, that the resources are here. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear what stories are produced in this space. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Robert. Thank, Thank you. you, Andy. This is Andy Campagnoni. We're coming to you from Studio 606 in Lancaster on the Boulevard. In beautiful downtown Lancaster, right. California. Keeping it weird. <laughs> <laughs>